Hey, we've been in our Jesus series now for several months, and we're bringing it to a wrap this weekend, looking at the last, uh, last chapter of this Bible study, this sermon series, and uh, looking at a, a final story, a post-resurrection story found in Luke chapter 24. Uh, you can turn there if you'd like to. We're going to read that text in a bit. Um, you know, you, you've probably met somebody that uh, you would describe as disconnected or seeming to live an isolated life. They, they don't know the things that you would think most people would know. Uh, and as you meet these people, you, you, you may say phrases like, uh, like, where have you been? Uh, have you been living on another planet? Like, did you live under a rock? Uh, how come you don't know these things? Have you seen the Geico commercials where they're trying to state the obvious you know, like, uh, come on, you should know that the, 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 their insurance is supposed to save you all kinds of money. Don't know if it's true. Uh, you know, woodchucks, chuck wood, and, and they have all these different commercials. So here's one that kind of fits the, uh, the question we're talking about today. They've been kind of using this, this theme in a very funny way of like, this is so obvious. Everyone should know this. And if you don't know this, you're disconnected. You're from another planet or you're living under a rock. And I think we should probably just start right from the beginning here and take a little quiz to make sure that uh, none of us in the room here live under a rock to make sure we're all on the same page here. So, uh, so this is four-question quiz. Raise your hand if you know there was a significant wedding in our world this week. All right, just, just checking to make sure you're, you're... Raise your hand if you know who Charlie Sheen is. Okay, some of you are rock dwellers, others you're not. Uh, raise your hand if, if you think that gas is expensive. All right, good, good. Uh, raise your hand if you're hoping the Blazers win the NBA championship this year. Oh, come on, they're out of it. Come on, people. They lost it all last week. You know, some, sometimes you, you, you run into somebody that is like, man, how did you not know this? We're going to be looking at a story in Luke chapter 24 where uh, two people are going to be walking on a road to a village called Emmaus, and they're walking on this road, and they are pretty disillusioned and disappointed, discouraged about the events of, of Good Friday and uh, the death of their Messiah, their, their Jesus, and uh, they've heard some news about an empty tomb, and they're confused, and they're trying to put pieces of the puzzle together, and, and they're downcast, and they're going to meet somebody on this road, a traveler that they don't recognize. It's actually Jesus. And, uh, and, and this traveler is going to ask them what they're talking about, and, uh, and they're going to say to Jesus, they don't know it's Jesus, they're going to say to him, how do you not know these things that have been happening in Jerusalem this weekend? Do you, like, it's like, do you live under a rock? Are you from another planet? Do you, how did you not know what's going on in Jerusalem? And they're going to tell their whole story, and then as they get to the end of the story, this traveler is going to say to them, how did you not know that the Messiah had to suffer, that, that, that Jesus had to die? And did you not, do you live under a rock? Do you not know this is what the scriptures have talked about for, for centuries? And you're going to see this interplay of these questions and, and see a, a people who are going to finally recognize uh, who Jesus is and what he's accomplished. So take your Bibles, uh, open to Luke chapter 24 if you haven't already, and would you stand as I read this story? It's a little bit of a longer story. I'm going to pick it up in verse 13, and if you would follow along, uh, that would be great. It's on page 1047 in your pew Bibles if, you're, if you didn't bring a Bible with you. Luke 24, verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. 
As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked, about Jesus of Nazareth? They replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. It's God's holy word. You may be seated. So let's just start by asking the question, who are these two on the road to Emmaus? We know the name of one, Cleopas, uh, which gives us a little bit of clue. We don't know for sure. John chapter 19, verse 25, John is, is painting the scene of the crucifixion and telling us who's there. And he tells us there's, there's three Marys there as well as an aunt of, of Jesus. There's, there's the Mary that's the mother of Jesus and then Mary's sister. And then there's Mary Magdalene, and then there's a Mary who is the wife of Clopas. Now, we don't know if Clopas and Cleopas are the same person. Most, suggest, most scholars suggest that they are the same person. So this could be, and I've made that assumption in this talk today, that uh, this, this is likely the, the, the wife of Cleopas who's at the cross, who sees the crucifixion and sees Jesus die. Uh, she sees Jesus uh, taken from the cross. He's deader than dead. She sees him being taken off to be put into a tomb. This Mary was there, and so she was able to express in detail to her husband, Cleopas, all that happened on Good Friday. And this has left them in a place of, of confusion, uh, of disappointment, and, and, and being disillusioned, not knowing what's going on here, because they had this idea that, that Jesus was, was going to the top. I mean, Jesus was going to go to the top and that those who were closest to him would go to the top with him. But in reality, Jesus is 
going to the bottom, and he's inviting his followers to go with him and descend with him to the bottom. They thought that, that he was going to crush the enemies of Israel. They, they thought that Jesus the Messiah was going to come into Israel and just wipe out the Romans and free Israel from all the suppression, that he was going to be the Messiah king in the line of David, and he would crush his enemies. I mean, remember, remember Palm Sunday? The whole city turns out, they're waving palm branches. They're so excited because this has got to be the guy. He's performing miracles. He's, he's doing amazing things, and, and this is our Messiah. And, and then we find out that, no, he did not crush the enemies of Israel. In fact, the enemies of Israel, in fact, crushed him, and he was crucified. And they're confused. They, they don't understand all that's happening here, and they're on this road. It's Easter Sunday. Easter morning has happened. The tomb is empty. These are not part of the, the, the 12, the, the original disciples, but they're, they're close. They're, they, they've been walking with Jesus. They, they've been with Jesus. And they're walking back home to their, their village, Emmaus, and they're trying to put the different pieces of the puzzle together. And, and they're in this discussion. And the original language would suggest that it's not just a, a, just a, a conversation. It's a bit of a, a heated discussion. They're having a debate. They're trying to figure out what's going on here. And this, this unknown traveler steps up, sort of catches up with Mr. and Mrs. Cleopas on this road to Emmaus. And asks them, what, what, are, what are these things that you're discussing? And that's when Cleopas says to this traveler who he doesn't recognize... How could you not know this? You like live under a rock? Do you not know these things? And the traveler says, what things? And he just launches into the story. And Have you seen that show, uh, Undercover Boss? Uh, where you know the a CEO from some company and leaves the corner office, and then they they go and they hit the floors of a you know manufacturing plant, or they serve uh, behind a desk, or they're they, they behind a hotel reception desk. They they take on the task of this company of many of the many of the the tasks that the, their employees actually do day in and day out. It's fascinating because in one of the shows I saw this guy, he's the CEO of 7-Eleven, he's riding in a truck with this guy and they're making deliveries early in the morning in Texas and this guy is just, he's just sharing what it's like to work for 7-Eleven, the good and the bad. He has no idea that the CEO of 7-Eleven is the one sitting next to him in the van. Jesus is sort of playing undercover boss here on the road to Emmaus, all right? It's, it's pretty, he, it had to be a great day. Yes, death was conquered. It had to be a great day for Jesus, sort of just popping in and popping out and, and showing people that he was indeed alive. He's playing undercover boss here, and, and he's asking, oh, no, what things happened in Jerusalem? Tell me more. Tell, well, what's, what's gone on? And these two, Mr. and Mrs. Cleopas, on the, on the way to Emmaus, they are like, we thought, we had hoped we were convinced. We, we thought for certain that, that he, was, he was the redeemer of Israel. We thought he was the one. We thought he was the Messiah. We thought he was the one that was going to free all of Israel. We, we had hoped. But then our chief priests and our rulers, they had him crucified. This Jesus, who was powerful in word and deed, he spoke like no one else spoke. He performed miracles like no one else had ever done. We were convinced that he was, in fact, the Messiah. But he went to a cross, and they crucified him, and 
And what's even more weird is that this morning, some of the women, they, they were at the tomb and, and they said they saw angels and the angels said that Jesus was alive and, and they come running back. And some of our trusted friends, uh, Peter and John, they, they, they ran to the tomb and checked it out. And, but the, and the tomb was empty, but they, they didn't see Jesus. And we're, we're not getting this. We don't, we're so confused and and this is where the unknown traveler, where Jesus, who's playing undercover boss, sort of turns the tables on him and says to the two who are on the road to Emmaus, do you not understand this? Do, do you not get, have you been living under a rock? Do you not know that the Messiah had to suffer? In fact, Jesus, uh, as he's talking to them, and he's, he's going to open the scriptures to them, he, what he says to them is how Foolish you are. How slow of heart. Literally, the, the word foolish there means senseless. Like you're, you're not in tune. Uh, like you, you haven't been able to connect the dots. Like you're a little bit slow in the head. Okay, you, you should have connected the dots. Jesus has expectation that they would have got it. But they seem to be like one fry short of a Happy Meal. Or, or, or you know, the, the, the oil isn't quite touching the dipstick. They're, they, they're, they're, they're foolish. They're slow of heart. In fact, that, that word slow literally means slow boat. It's a nautical term. You're fool. How did you not connect the dots? How, are, you, are you so slow that you didn't put this together? And then Jesus opens up the scriptures. Now put yourself in their shoes. You have this idea that Jesus is going to be the Messiah. He's going to redeem Israel. But now your, your Messiah, your, your king, has been crucified. There's all this strange stuff about an empty tomb. You're confused. And then this traveler walks on a road and begins opening up scripture. And I'm going to show you some verses here that likely Jesus shared with them. Because I think is in this moment and in some other moments where Jesus literally gives them a Bible study. A Bible study that they will take because it's, it's opened their eyes. And they will take these same scriptures and it will be their message to a people who are confused about who Jesus is. He's going to walk them through the scriptures from Moses through the prophets so their eyes will be opened. And my guess is he probably started. These, these are all verses from the book of Acts that are quoted from the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 22, starting with the, the Abrahamic covenant, where God says to Abraham, through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Starting at the beginning with the promise to Abraham. And then Genesis chapter 26 I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give them all these lands, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. There's a blessing coming. And then Deuteronomy chapter 18, Moses, uh, Moses' words, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. There was anticipation of a coming Messiah, even from the days of Moses. And Moses, again, in Deuteronomy, will say, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among, the, from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command him. If anyone does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. There is a Messiah coming. God's going to raise him up. He's going to put words in his mouth, and, and you need to listen to him. And then continuing on through the scriptures, Psalm chapter 2. Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together. Get this, the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. There's going to be a struggle. 
There's going to be a struggle against the Messiah. Psalm 2 prophesies this. Psalm 16, I, I will praise the Lord. My heart is, is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. Maybe it's here that the light is starting to come on for these two on the road to Emmaus. What's happening here? Psalm 118, verse 22. The stone the builders have rejected has become the capstone. And then we get to Psalm, we get to Isaiah chapter 53. Centuries before crucifixions are even happening, Isaiah prophesies and says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. And then again, verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And I think Mary, the wife of Cleopas, would say that's exactly how it went down. I was there. I saw it with my own eyes. He didn't defend, defend himself. He didn't squirm. He just went like a lamb before the shears. In verse 11, Isaiah chapter 53, after the suffering of his soul, after all the suffering is done, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. And by the way, Isaiah 53, in many synagogues in first century Israel, Isaiah 53 was banned from being read for fear that Jews who heard it would convert to Christianity. Because it so clearly tells a story of a Messiah who has to suffer. And Jesus opens up the scriptures, and these two on the road to Emmaus are, uh, they'll, they'll describe it here in a second, is their hearts were burning within them because the pieces of the puzzle were being put together. They were starting to get it. And as they're taking their exit ramp to Emmaus, Jesus is acting like he's, he's going to keep on going. And they, they strongly urge Jesus to come be with them, and Jesus does come to be with them. He's going to stay with them. They're having dinner. They ask Jesus, say the blessing. And as he is saying the blessing, their eyes are open, and it dawns on them. They have been with Jesus for three or four hours and had no idea. And when their eyes are open, he disappears. They probably didn't finish dinner, stand up, and race back to Jerusalem because they got to tell their friends who are back in Jerusalem that they have just had an encounter with Jesus. They're going to tell their friends. They get up there late in the evening to Jerusalem, and as they walk in the doors to tell their friends, their friends are already telling them that Jesus has appeared to Simon. There's a buzz in the room, and they begin to tell their story of how Jesus opened the scriptures, and if you keep going on in the reading, you'll find that Jesus shows up there as well. They are amazed. They have just been on a three or four hour hike with Jesus and didn't know it was him. And all the disillusionment, all the disappointment, all, all the confusion is, is erased as Jesus opens up the scriptures for them and helps them realize that the Messiah indeed had to suffer. Do you ever wonder how they missed it? Because... Time after time, Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be handed over to the rulers. I'm going to suffer, but on the third day, I'm going to rise again. 
Over a dozen times, Jesus, I, I'm, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be handed over to the rulers. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going I'm to be crucified. I'm going to die, and then I'm going to rise again. Over and over again, uh, Jesus is, is telling his disciples th- these things, and, and they, they don't get it. They're shocked. They're confused about the whole cross situation and about Jesus dying, and they're, they're disillusioned, and they, they just don't get it. How did they miss it? I mean, really, how did they have the scriptures? They had Jesus telling them. How did they miss? How did they not recognize that this is what God's plan was? Jesus told them time and time again. How did they miss it? I, I think they missed it because they, uh, they had the, the wrong picture of Jesus. For months now, we've been letting the picture develop before us. But these people had a a picture of Jesus that, well, it was distorted. It was photoshopped. It was, their Jesus was the king, the Messiah, who was gonna conquer the enemies. Their Jesus was the one who was gonna, who was gonna straighten out all the political things of the day. Their Jesus was the new king in the line of David and he's gonna make every wrong right and he's gonna take care of every injustice. And this, this Jesus, this was the picture of Jesus. And when Jesus is on the cross, as, as they compare these two pictures, they're going, wait a minute, this is confusing because this is my picture of Jesus, but this is just what happened. And, and they missed it they were confused because they had the wrong picture of Jesus. I don't know about you. I am so glad that doesn't happen to us. Oh, man. We, we have got all the scriptures. We've got books. We have scholars. Uh, we're so much smarter right the, the, the reality is is that much of Christendom has a distorted photoshopped picture of who their Jesus is and, and if Jesus were to show up on your road because of our distorted picture of who Christ is, we would likely miss him too. In fact, I would go even farther to say that that the Jesus that comes our way and surprises us on the road may be a Jesus that many in the church would not even like because the picture has been so twisted and distorted. You see, for, for many, the, the picture of Jesus for some has become this, the picture of a Jesus who solves all my problems. And your husband dies. Your child gets sick. You lose your job and you're kicking dirt clods on the road to Kaiser going or the road to Staten, or the road to South Salem, or wherever you live, and you're going, what? Wait, wait a minute, my, my Jesus is he's supposed to take away my problems. What's going on here? 
For some, he's the, the tolerant Jesus who would never send anyone to hell. He's so inclusive. That, that, that's not Jesus. For some, he is the Jesus who watches Fox News and votes Republican. I know I'm meddling. Put down that encouragement card. Uh, you know, I know you're writing a note to me right now. But in all seriousness, there's some have a picture of a Jesus who watches Fox News, votes Republican. His best friend is Glenn Beck. Everyone knows that, right? I know, I crossed the line. He would never see Jesus at a Democratic convention. <laughs> we all know that. Some he's a Jesus who's always nice. He'd never call me foolish. He'd never call me a slow boat. For some, he's the Jesus who, who hates homosexuals. The Jesus who nods with affirmation as he sees people who hold signs that say God hates fags. By the way, in our series this summer, we talk about questions. Now, that's a great question. One of the questions that we're going to attempt to answer is, is God homophobic? Is, is that who God is? We'll filter that question through Scripture. Does God hate homosexuals? Getting kind of quiet in here. He's the Jesus who doesn't like pastors who talk nice about homosexuals. Just <laughs> throw that in there. He's the Jesus who wants me to be safe. Jesus who wants me to be comfortable. Oh, God would never ask me to do that. That would hurt. He's the Jesus who wags his finger at young men who wear their pants so low you can see their boxers. <laughs> Some have that picture. The Jesus who always agrees with me. The ritual Jesus who just wants me to come to church, put a little money in the offering plate, pray for the missionaries when in reality he's the Jesus who wants to transform your life. You see, and for those of you who are, are seekers, you haven't really made the decision to, to follow Jesus, I just want to say to you, would you just forgive us as we work out our own salvation? We're not perfect. And sometimes we distort the picture of Jesus and please forgive us. We're, we're, we're trying, and we're, we're attempting to understand who Christ is. See, they missed him. 
They didn't recognize him. Don't come to the conclusion that it was God who kept the two on the road from recognizing him. That's not what the text says. It just says they were kept from recognizing him. Could it be they were, maybe, did, maybe God did keep them from recognizing Jesus on this road. Or maybe it was their own assumptions of who Jesus is that kept them from recognizing that Christ was on the road with them, talking with them the entire time. And they missed him. How do we make sure we don't miss him? We take every opinion, every thought, every idea of who Jesus is, and we filter it. We filter it through the word of God. That's what Jesus did for the two on the road to Emmaus. He went to the scriptures and opened it up from beginning to end. Christianity did not start at the cross or at Easter. Christ was, was prophesied beforehand thousands of years. From the very beginning, God's redemptive plan was in work. And we allow our picture of Christ to be filtered, to be, to be developed right before our eyes through the pages of scripture so that we might reflect his glory. And when we get it right, beautiful things happen. This past week, let me just close this story. This past week at the Life Center across the street at Broadway Commons, Life Center is a, is an, a ministry that happens and where there's classes for people, English language learning classes, there's parenting classes, marriage classes, and at the end of the term, there's a celebration, there's a meal, it's a potluck. I won't ever miss it because it's just like, it's, well, it's food, and there's a lot of good food there, and, uh, and oh man, it's a great evening. Uh, Grant Highland Room is packed out with people, and uh, it's a wonderful celebration, and uh, Steve Dangaren, Steven Custer, uh, Buck Dynas is a part, there's so many volunteers, and I know that there's teachers in the room, there's tutors in the room, there's navigators in the room, there's prayer warriors in the room, you've got a part in Life Center, thank you so much, because at one part in the evening, they ask students to share, what's the Life Center, what's this, what's this been for you, what's this been like for you, and then people sharing around the room, one guy gets the, gets the microphone, he's speaking through an interpreter, and he, and he says first, he says, thank you so much to all the teachers, all the tutors, everyone for, for being here for us so that we could learn English. We know that you have families and you have left your families to be with our families. And now you have become our family. You have given us hope. You have given us encouragement I'm wiping away tears. I'm giving you the Cliff Notes version. I mean, this guy talked for, for quite a while. And then he describes Broadway Commons. He describes the Life Center in this way. He says, this place is a shelter. Thank you. Thank you for having the right picture of Jesus because that's how Jesus would have been described. My shelter. It's a beautiful thing when we have the right picture of Jesus.